Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. are back greg from ottawa justin in thunder bay season four episode one the daily intermission podcast ladies and gentlemen thank you guys for waiting how are we doing justin what's new man it's good to have you back in the mix first of all season four let's go exciting things that are going to come we keep moving this thing forward we're going to always be building it trying things working with the fans so super excited for season four super excited for everyone that's going to follow along and that has been so let's go greg start us off here man you have been moving bouncing around just give us the takes here from end of season three to season four what have you been doing man yeah man it's been a nice transition period um you know obviously you know just kind of reflecting back i mean i graduated school into covid started this thing i haven't really had you know a lot of time of vacation like i've just kind of been you know working and grinding and some would say and i would even could say that you know this doing this thing full-time is vacation like it's a lot of fun it's it doesn't feel like work so uh but i did take uh i took off as everybody knew i went on a road trip went down to southern maine uh which took about 11 hours went up to quebec to see my grandmother then into montreal then to toronto for the canadian open which we'll get into then all the way back home to pack my bags then all the way back to ottawa uh so around 50 55 hours of driving uh, in two weeks. I'm telling you right now, man, by the end of it, after crushing coffees and just sitting there listening to podcasts, like... I, uh, I'm sick and tired of driving. I won't be, I won't be going on a long haul anytime soon, man. But, uh, no, man, the road trip was fantastic. It was fantastic to see family that I haven't seen for a long time. Um, but I've been missing, uh, the podcast, missing the content yeah. and talking sports, bud. But, uh, what have you been up to? What, what are these last two weeks presented over and up in Thunder Bay? Yeah, no, dude, just been, uh, same grind, but working, uh, 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 golfing a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So it's been a lot of training too, a lot of focus on that as we, uh, already ended June, dude, this, this, the summer flies by, uh, when you're just training and working and staying so busy. So yeah, just keep, uh, gearing up the training, man, like enjoying getting on the ice with the guys. We got our, our three on three, four and four, five and five stuff, getting in the gym every morning. So it's fun to kind of get into that stuff, especially when, when you're Recording feeling good, in progress. when you're feeling good and getting into it uh, and things like that, it's just something where uh, you just love it and you just love, love the way the body feels and, and getting better. So yeah, just focusing on that and watching sports unwind here as we have been for uh, the last two weeks. It's just been so packed and busy and we're going to get into it. Man, it's well, yeah, we've we've kind of waited to drop a podcast and everything is really concluded. Um, <laughs> but I think we'll start in the golf world because that makes a lot of sense. Uh, and we'll rewind two weeks ago to the Canadian Open, which we had boots on the ground. And I thought the Canadian Open was electric. And obviously, I didn't watch it from a TV standpoint. I was there Thursday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, but now, you know, I went with a couple of close buddies. It's 
for all the Canadians out there who are golf fans and who just are even sports fans, this venue, this this sporting event is it, it's must go. Like it's so electric, it's amazing. And there's a few different things I'm going to get into, Justin. But what were your kind of takeaways from watching it on TV? Did it look as electric as it felt? Because I like, I mean, even the U.S. Open this past weekend, dull. Dull from a yeah. fan standpoint. Big time. Um, but did it seem electric from watching it on on the TV? Absolutely. And I mean, I don't. I'm gonna try to to, to speak from a non-Canadian bias because as a Canadian, yes. it was absolutely electric like, for sure. I mean, especially the way it finished, which again we'll touch on. But in terms of the fan base, like I think viewing wise, you you could just tell like how that wasn't. I think it honestly, like even with the U.S. Open of past, like I know this one was. Obviously, uh, not the best, but even a pass. Like, I don't know that there's as many national opens that are so, I want to say, like national oriented and national focused, and just so like clearly a, a na- national open to that country, and that country cares that much about it as a Canadian Open. Because I feel like, in fairness to the U.S. Open, it's still such an international event that U.S. Open. You know what I mean? Like it's a major. Yeah. Um. All the top players are going to be in it. Like Rom isn't uh, American. Uh, uh. Fleetwood. Like these guys that are contending every year. Fitzpatrick, who won in the past, like they're always going to be in it. Uh, uh. No matter what. And the Americans dominate golf, so it's just kind of the U.S. Open, another major big. But event. they host big events all year all, long all year long exactly, exactly. like yeah. the augusta national all those things so yeah when you get a canadian open whether canadian is in it or not we take pride and put it on a good show yeah and then when you get the canadians in the mix it's a different animal but what i will say in terms of on tv they sang the national anthem to Corey connors and stuff at, at the rink i'm not sure if you were around there or anything i feel like maybe the mic situation wasn't perfect i mean i thought it was electric because i understood what was going on and how awesome that was but I have to imagine being in that rank, being right in that fan base, it had to have been 10 times as amazing as it looked on TV because it looked pretty sick on TV. And just the patronism as a Canadian to, to see that was just next level. Absolutely. I stopped by the rink, walked by it. But for me as a fan... So I'll kind of walk you through, I guess, the methodology, I guess, in regard to a golf tournament. And I think that this methodology would work, I I think, across all golf tournaments, watching them live. But um, obviously, the main hole at the Canadian Open this year, last year it was 16 at St. George's. This year it was 14 um, at uh, at Oakdale. And and it's the rink hole. We set it up at the rink. It's it's like the waste management. They set up the stadium hole. But that's not the place to be. Obviously... There's a lot of drunk fans. It's noisy, but you get to watch one par three. The place to be is you go pick for me this year. It was hole seven. It was a par five. We got to see the the second shots come in, watch them finish the par five. And then you literally turned around and you were feet away from them watching their hit their tee shots. So I thought that was a nice bang, bang component. Um, But early in the week, like a Thursday or Friday, if you're going, I I, I would say kind of park on a hole, watch a bunch of guys, and then you you go watch your stars. Like I followed Rory a little bit, but find a group that nobody's watching because you can, and and there's there's great golfers and, but that's what we did at the end of the end of the day on Thursdays. We just, we were the only guys watching. We legit had the, we could just walk to the tee box with them. You could chat with them if you wanted to walk down the fairway with them, walk to the green with them. And I think that that is such a great intimate experience, but Another rookie move, Justin, at a golf tournament, and which I did on Thursday, but I learned quickly. And I, and obviously, if you're going to do it, never look. But don't video every shot. And and if you're yeah. near Rory, 
take it in with your own eyes. Experience it as a human being. Like, you can tell people you were there. You can tell people you watched it. You don't have to have it on film. Like, I'm seeing thousands of cameras every shot. It's like, where are these videos going? Man, man, it is a pet peeve of mine that I, I, I'm not a big videotaper at all. Pictures and stuff like that, I'm not huge on. Every, it's, but it's everything. We're going to touch off topic and touch. Like, dude, we're talking golfing hockey concert like every event every venue people are filming it's like everything's recorded anyways man like i don't know why people are so particular and like wow this was my view to see rory shot i know your view is worse yes. than what the tv is watching yeah, 100%. you enjoy your view in person yes like i if, if my buddy goes to a golf event and his his view is behind rory's back and we don't see where it lands or nothing i don't want to see your view of rory Tell me you had a great view of him, but I'd rather watch it if I care about the shot yes. on TV. So, yes, I agree. I mean, I think you're right. I think you're spot on, man. You just got to watch it and Keep enjoy it. Keep your phones away. Put 100%. your phones away and enjoy it as and with your two eyes and take that moment and let it sink in and let it immerse in your memories because that's what you'll remember. The phone video that you pull up at the bar, nobody gives a flying fuck about. So put your phone away and uh, and enjoy it. But no, let's get into it, man. So electric, a four-hole playoff. So what we did, Justin, on on, uh, on Sunday, luckily, I'll give a shout-out to Josh Krause and Emily Nickerson. So close friends of ours from, from Nova Scotia. Emily works for a company called First Tee. And so what First Tee is, is they're uh, an organization through Golf Canada, and they raise money to kind of, you know, let... I don't want to say uh, underprivileged, but they, they to, to spark the grassroots of the game of golf. And, and they it's kind of like jumpstart through Canadian Tire or, um, you know, I forget the other ones that uh, I'm pretty sure that uh, RBC might have one. And anyway, um, they do that. And, and uh, so what you did was you had to give a donation of any amount. So, you know, I, I think I put 25 bucks as a donation and you got a VIP wristband for the for the grandstand grandstands on 18. I was like. Wow. And I mean, obviously they capped it at 200 people and it was just the one grandstand that was for the first tee. But I thought, well, I mean, obviously we wouldn't have known this information. We would have been privy to it if we didn't have Emily working, you know, in our favor and letting us know to do this. So we did that early on Sunday. So we followed all the groups around on the front nine. And when Rory made the turn, well, we went and plopped our butts down on, because clearly he was out of it. And, and he, yeah. by the way, he, he hit some of the worst golf shots I've ever seen a professional hit right in front of us two doffed 60 degree wedges it was unbelievable but anyway um it, it, it was so we we parked our butts on on 18 uh in the grandstands on 18 and, and we watched these playoff holes and and we saw nick taylor come in honestly when yeah. tommy fleetwood made the birdie on on 17 uh justin yep. and he had that short par five which was a dinky hole a complete that i'm I, i'm sure the players hated it because you had an iron and then you hit the wood. I think any par five on the PGA Tour, if the players aren't hitting driver, they're like, this is a joke. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's beside the point. Tommy Fleetwood has the opportunity to birdie that hole. It's a short par five up the hill. Doesn't do it. They go to the four-hole playoff, go to nine, come back to 18. Nick Taylor rolls in a 72-foot pot to win the Canadian Open. First time in 69 years, a Canadian one, man. Such a special event. So happy for Nick Taylor. And, and honestly, Justin... He didn't get enough love. He doesn't get enough love. I mean, he came runner-up at the waste management to to Scotty Scheffler. But when you think about Canadian golfers, it's always Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin, Mackenzie Hughes. But guess what he did? He bolstered himself right in that conversation. When you talk about Canadian golf from now on, you're going to throw in Nick Taylor for sure. Absolutely. And I, I mean, that's an unbelievable experience. You guys had a dialed spot. Greg was uh, you're able to spy on him on TV there on the celly, which is electric <laughs> in the red bucket hat. 
Um, unbelievable putt. I mean, there's not much more to say. This thing was, honestly, if, you, if you're looking at clutch moments in Canadian sports, Kawhi's, Kawhi's buzzer beater yep. and Nick Taylor's putt, I mean, it's right there for me. I, it was unbelievable. Um, but I'll touch on that too, with you because I think we're going to get into it, but not, not to jump over the Canadian Open here. I think what comes with Nick Taylor not getting talked enough enough uh, uh, talked about enough U.S. Open following the next weekend, and it has pros and cons because I like the U.S. Uh, U.S. Open following the next weekend because we have a lot of great golfers who come to the Canadian Open because it's a quick travel just into south- southern Ontario and Canada here. Yep, get a great tournament, get that very high pressure, high crowd atmosphere right before a major. Yep. Um, get a lot of birdie feel. So guys like Rory and stuff and Fleetwood and, and Hatton, Hatton them, yeah, yeah. going minus eight and around. Like that's, that's a good feeling for these guys. Yep. And like I said, they battle it out for a really big uh, high pressure finish going to the U S open. So I like that perk of it. But if you're looking at golf media, if you're looking at what golf channels talking about, what the players are talking about, what do we get, Greg? A day or two before the players are already U.S. Open focused, like they're yeah. at the U.S. Open the next day, so like on Monday and Tuesday. So like, Nick Taylor got a lot of respect in Canada. He was in the news in Canada, like unbelievable. Uh, something that didn't get brushed over, I wouldn't say. But like you said, like it wasn't something where we're gonna. It was on TSN or Sports Center or Sportsnet for ten days straight because yeah, you have U.S. Open, which is fair. Like, like I, I get it. It's a major. I'm. I was jacked up for the U.S. It's Open. a bigger anyway. tournament. It's the bigger so it, tournament. Yeah. yeah. It, it's 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 just a quick turnaround. But yeah, not to brush it over. I mean, I, I wanted to ask you more about Fleetwood because obviously Fleetwood's been a guy who's been around um, a lot longer than Nick Taylor and who's been knocking on the door a bunch for wins and and just been a guy who his career's been defined by not being a perennial winner. I think that's a fair thing to say. Um, was it? I. It seemed like it was just his time. I mean, again, I think a lot of being Nick Taylor wasn't much of like, oh, Nick Taylor's going to get this done. It kind of felt like a tournament, man, where when Fleetwood took off a little bit and was was rolling, it was like, yeah, if I'm looking at this leaderboard, this kind of just feels like Fleetwood's going to get this big win kind of for, for him at a big event. But what did you see? Like, was Nick Taylor kind of for you guys being there? I, I feel like he was maybe... You guys noticed him more? Like, what was kind of the vibe? Did it feel like this was Nick Taylor uh, on a roll? Did it feel like Fleetwood? I don't know. What? Who were you leaning towards as you guys saw this momentum firsthand? Yeah, well, I, I, on it, to be completely honest, like, it didn't, like, I, I kind of wrote off Nick Taylor on Thursday. He shot 75. He was plus three after day one. He was yeah, plus four yeah. at one point on Thursday. And, um, you know, I was really staring at Rory and Tommy Fleetwood uh, and even Tyrell Hatton because he had two unbelievable rounds. Um, but I was kind of looking at those three guys going, and, and Rosie was in the mix a little bit as well. And I was kind of looking at those four guys going, I mean, these guys have all won. These guys are, well, except for Fleetwood, but he's won on the European tour. And I was looking at these guys and I, I thought the pressure for Nick Taylor was going to mount. Um, but obviously, you know, an incredible, incredible 63 on Saturday, uh, nine under par. And, and um, yeah, he, he just, he stormed in. But like, in, he, he, I thought Tommy Fleetwood, like I said, when he when he rolled in that putt on 17, was going to win that golf tournament. And it seemed like it was his time. Like we said, I mean, he's just been such a great player for so long. So many runners up and, and he added another one to it. And I felt bad, uh, Justin, he had a putt for the win on 18. It was the second playoff hole. And in his backswing of his putt, this drunk fan screamed at the top of his lungs. You may not be able to hear it on TV. Like, just so disrespectful. But even as a fan, you know, clearly I was so pumped for Nick Taylor. But I was indifferent. I'm a golf fan. I'm such a diehard golf fan. Obviously, that moment was so special for Nick Taylor. 
But I didn't, even if Tommy would have won, I would have been thrilled because it was just an amazing story on both yeah. sides. They're both incredible players. Obviously, Nick Taylor was, was the better story, but yeah. I didn't care who won at that point. So what's your take on that? Like, we got to get into this. Uh, um, if there's any more, obviously still, yeah, but if we're... If we're the Adam Hadwin hit was open. fucking hilarious, too. Huh, unbelievable. <laughs> we'll get to that because that, that kind of runs with this, but yeah. I heard a lot of golf media, a lot of uh, the American uh, social media podcast, Twitter, stuff like that. Big golf names, quite honestly. Didn't like the uh, Canadian Open atmosphere. They didn't like that the fact that there was a crowd booing or heckling a Fleetwood because he's Ameri- uh, he's not Canadian, sorry, and strictly cheering for Nick Taylor. Like, I didn't think much of it. I'm like, no brainer. Uh, why would we not want a Canadian to win our national tournament? But in all fairness, golf etiquette, what have you, you cheer for good golf. I, I don't see it that way. I mean, I could be wrong. I know different golf fans view it differently. If you're in Canada and I'm a Canadian and I and I have a Canadian in the mix, yeah, maybe not booing, maybe not booing, but as a fan viewing golf, like I don't, this is electric for golf for me. And honestly, I don't mind. It happens in every other sport. Man, this is what golf should want to have happening. For oh the, yeah. For the entertainment, man. Oh, absolutely. I honestly, like I didn't hear too many negative thoughts, but I mean, I was hearing that it felt like a Ryder cup because it felt like, yeah. you know, the home team, whether it was in Europe or the United States, it, the full crowd was rooting for that one side. And it's what you, yeah. we don't get that very often, but you're like, you like you said, that's all we get in other sports is that typically the crowd is cheering for one team because you're either home or away. So definitely feel, I felt like that for sure. Um, but I mean, I was probably the only indifferent one uh, in the crowd, just yeah, due yeah. just due to the fact that uh, I'm just a, a fan of golf, and and uh, you know didn't know which way to lean, and I, I knew it was going to be amazing, an amazing story. But dude, I watched Adam Hadwin run onto the green <laughs> as this is going on. My my legit, my eyes locked in on him because you know the, the crowds are starting to mount around Nick Taylor, and I'm like, who's this dude? Oh, it's a, it's Hadwin running with the champagne bottle, like he's going to drench him here, and I see this security guard. He legit, like, he, like, went off the edge, like a linebacker kind of, like, <laughs> coming and blitzing and, like, just kind of like a hole being filled by the old lineman and, like, going around. And, and he just went around the pile and just, and honestly, man, Hadwin held his own. Like, he didn't truck yeah. him. Like, Hadwin got a few steps in and obviously it was, like, a dump tackle. But, like, Hadwin didn't leave his feet or anything. And obviously that made headlines. That went viral and it was a hilarious moment. And I didn't know at that moment that I was like, did somebody get that on camera? Because people are going to be losing <laughs> their minds. Obviously, before we knew it, it was viral on Twitter. But I think for Canadian golf, uh, I hope they elevate the event next year, Justin. I really do. Yes. Um, yes. I think that uh, they, they. I think the last two years. I mean, for a long time, the Canadian Open was positioned after the British Open, the Open. So, I mean, people flying in from England and and Ireland and and Scotland to Canada for the Canadian Open, it didn't really happen that much. The Canadian Open really wasn't that of a big of a deal. And I don't know if I love the positioning of the U.S. Open. I, I don't know if you can elevate it with that current current position uh, ahead of the U.S. Open. But I think if you put it the week after, you certainly could elevate it because they've got the Travelers Championship position there this year. And they've obviously got that elevated this week. Um I think that their plan was RBC is a massive sponsor in the PGA Tour. I think this year they've got two major events in the PGA Tour season, the RBC Canadian Open, the RBC Heritage. This year the Heritage was elevated. I think they might swap it next year, and I think we might see every top player in the world come to Canada in the next year. Or do they all just go to $10 million for the winner because now we have a new merger going on and the investment group is just going to pour money into it? Yeah. I mean, that's a, we don't know what's going to happen. Very I mean, true. Yeah, we could talk about it, but, uh, and I, yeah, I agree with you. It'd be electric to see if it's elevated. 
Um, but no, I mean, yeah, that's obviously something we have to look into. Are these, are, are all these purses just going to skyrocket and who knows what the rules are and how much they have to play. But we're still going to have to have tournaments. So Justin, where all of the top guns have to go because that's what's, that's what's compelling, yeah. right? We can't just yeah. have four of those a year. Yeah. 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 No. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. No. No. You're right. No. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. So I mean, I, I really hope. Yeah. I hope the Canadian Open is uh is one of those. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. We'll have to see. But uh, U.S. Open. Let's move to the U.S. Open. What are we, What are we thinking? I mean, Wyndham Clark. Let's get into one guy here first. Uh, let's open the U.S. Open with this. I think this is fair. We saw him at the Canadian Open. You saw him. We're big fans. Rory McIlroy. Two tight finishes. Uh, tight meaning he was in it probably uh, through the whole weekend. Can't get it done, man. Cannot get it done. And it feels even like at the Canadian Open, man. It just everyone goes. I got Canadian Open. Throw it back to the here. memorial the week before that. This, He's leading. Listen this, yeah. Listen to this fourth round of Canadian Open, okay? Nick Taylor. This is just in the fourth round. Nick Taylor minus six. Fleetwood minus five. Hatton minus eight. Uh, uh, Eric Cole minus, minus nine. nine and, and, and Rory even. Like, but he's like. He's supposed to be the man. Like he is supposed to be the man. He's supposed to be this juggernaut of a player. It's either he butchers his chances in round one, or he just throws up a dud in fourth round. Like, what are you seeing as a Rory fan cheering for Rory? I was in the U.S. Open. I really want. I was extremely, extremely excited to see him right there till the end. It just nothing drops for him when 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 we when we want the Rory McIlroy big finish. It doesn't deliver. What are your thoughts watching these last two, three weekends? It's uh, it's funny, man. It, you know what? And, and obviously, this is an awful explanation and a horrible excuse, but it's the game of golf. It's it's the the margins for error are so small. You think about Rory that this past weekend losing the golf tournament by one stroke through seventy two holes. Think about that. Think think about a golf round, eighteen holes you play. You go back and you think, could I have that one back? Or you know, you hit you lip a putt out, and you're like, if that if that would have happened, I would have been. One shot through 72 holes is nothing. We think about Jack Nicholas. He was a runner-up in majors 20 times. 20. Yeah. He won 18. He was a runner-up 20. It just, it happens to the greats. Like, they they just, they go through something. They can't get it done. And that's what Rory's going through right now. Obviously, it's been nine years since he's won a major championship. Me, I'm all over him at the Open. Uh, he won at this golf course in 2014. But there's one yeah. coming to him. But but like you said, Justin, we revert back, okay, at the Memorial, Jack's Tournament. Uh, he's right there. He, he he's 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 playing Sunday with with Mark Hubbard. He's right there to win. Can't get it done. Okay, we fast forward to the Canadian Open. He's in the mix all week long. I'm texting you, you and Archer on Sunday, going, "This is Rory's lose." Comes out and shoots even par. Like it almost looked like I felt like when he when he played the even par round at the Canadian Open, I was like, "Okay, he's saving the juices for the big one." And then he's right there, and it's it's a pot here, it's a pot there. I think uh, on the par four fourteen, on the par five fourteenth, they open. He had a decent lie. The the commentators were saying, "I think you got to rip it at the green." They showed a little animation that on the fourteenth hole there, uh, he laid up. But the people that had gone for it, or the scoring average for the people who had went for it on the fourteenth hole was like four point eight five. The people who had laid up was just over five point five point one five was the scoring average. So obviously it was a benefit to go for the green. But yeah, man, it's you know, like it's like. He's not playing good. Well, he, when he, he he's Rory's one of the top players in the world. I mean, that's just there's no mistaking that. He keeps putting himself in the position to win golf tournaments week after week after week, and we only see that from a handful of guys. We see that from Scotty Scheffler. We see that from Rory. We see that from John Rom consistently right now. Um, why isn't he closing it out? Does he not have that dog in him anymore? I don't think that's the case. I think that he is going to win more majors. It's just sometimes it, the breaks don't go your way, man, and and. 
I mean, you got to give it Wyndham Clark, man. He just, it was his week. Like he hit yeah. all the shots. Like there, there was, there was five, 10 times during that Sunday, Justin, where I was like, here it is. Here's the big collapse. You know, yep. here, like when he, when he drove it, uh, into that stuff on hole six, the short par four and yep. with the ball, I was like, here's the triple he's done. Gets out of there with bogey. Like on the ninth hole, goes left into the bunker in the rough. He chips it up the green. The ball starts to come back. It was a heck of a chip. Rolls in the long eight-footer down the hill for par. Like it's just, he made incredible pars and it was just his day to win. And and uh, yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I think Rory's going to be just fine. Yeah, I'm excited for Rory moving forward for sure. I think he's playing, honestly, some of his best golf. Because I mean, yeah, like, let, let, if you take a step back and look at the game of golf, his finishes right now are amazing golf. Yep. And some of the best in the world at the time. You just I mean again, this is very basic golfer talk. I'm gonna say it because I'm a basic golfer fan. I'm like I'm like everyone else here. Like I look at these names on the final round. And again, I say this because it's it's Rory. Like it's Rory. Like what we the pedestal, not just we put him on, but he puts himself on. And, and the level of play he keeps himself to. And the voice he wants to be on tour, the figure he is on tour, and he wants to be like final round. Wyndham Clark wins it at minus ten with an even round, okay? Cameron Smith, minus three. Fleetwood, minus seven. Minwoo Lee, minus three. Tom Kim, minus one. Austin Eckert, like Eckert, minus five. Minus five. Rory shoots even. Like, he couldn't find an under par round in the biggest moment he's been waiting for for nine years. Like, again, I, I don't, I know when you really talk golf with the experts and the players, like, even par at US Open on Sunday, Big moments, high pressure. I get it. Like, I get it. But if you're going to be roaring, like Tiger, and I know we can't even compare Tiger. I mean, but I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe that's what it is, man. Are we, are we just wanting a new Tiger? And Rory right now is kind of just that guy for us that like, we want this guy to win for us every week because we all love him. And when we all love Tiger and he was playing great, he won for us every week. Like I want a minus one on a Sunday at the U S open. And I want you to win it in a playoff or win it up. Like, that's just what you're always wanting from Rory. Like you said, he he's he said in his post-game presser, he wasn't that close close on a lot of putts and stuff, but it just seemed like every putt, like you were waiting for that one to drop. Fitzpatrick last year at the US Open hits that monster, I don't even know, 50-footer to, to tie Zalatoris, just swung the whole round for him, and he took off from there. Rory couldn't get that one to drop. You, all, right, all right, I'm just going to say this right now, Justin. Roy McIlroy will win the Open Championship at Liverpool, and he will become the sixth player of all time to win the Grand Slam and win the Masters next spring. Roy McIlroy goes back-to-back these next two tournaments. There you have it. And I would love it. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm, I'm saying this out of a guy who's frustrated because I want him to win. Yeah. Hey, and U.S. Open, Liverpool, right there. Greg has him to win. Yep. Has him to win. And, I mean, hey. I'll ask you. You were watching. Scotty Scheffler's right. He's knocking though too. <laughs> just to give, just to give Wyndham his credit, like you already mentioned, he yeah. was so good at saving himself. It, that's what it seemed like all yep. around. He was saving himself. But I said it in the I, I, again. We were talking like underwhelming finish, underwhelming U.S. Open overall, and big underwhelming time. finish, man. Like, hey, you just look for U.S. Open where you get the big name. But if we're talking open here, quick, as we wrap up golf, Scotty is. An av- being an average putter away from winning everything this season as well, but yeah. he's got to get that putter right. And I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be so much as a focus for him. And you know, I was huge on Scotty for the U.S. Open. I think Scotty might win it, man. I think he does. I don't think he goes this season without a major. But 
I'd like to see Rory. I'm definitely backing Rory if it comes down to it at the end. Yeah, we'll see what happens. And obviously, we're going to give Wyndham Clark his, his flowers. It, it was just really out of nowhere because, you know, he's he's a 29-year-old player. He's been a fantastic player. I mean, he's been, you know, a good staple in the PGA Tour for a while now. But obviously, getting his first win a few weeks ago at Wells Fargo. And what's interesting is that when Rory won the Wells Fargo, his next win was the U.S. Open in 2011. And then Wyndham Clark goes Wells Fargo, his next win, second win of his career. There you go. Yeah, so bang, bang. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was it was a little underwhelming. I mean, the, uh, looking at the U.S. Open holistically, I mean, it was a, it felt a little preppy being in Beverly Hills at the Los Angeles Country Club. Was I a fan of the course? I didn't think it was a typical U.S. Open course. I mean, we saw even Wyndham Clark, he, he blew a banana slice on 18 and found the right side of the fairway. Like, that's a bit of yeah. a joke, I, in my opinion. I mean, you need these tight fairways. You need to hit them on lines, on ropes. And um, yeah. I, I found, too, you know, limiting the tickets and then having the members of the course buy them and not use them, like... Like, get real here. So they're they're going to be back there, I think, in 2036. Not looking forward to it. I'm very, I'm a I'm a standard, uh, you know, I'm a Pinehurst, I'm a Pebble Beach, yeah. I'm a Shinnecock yeah. Hills type guy. Uh, you know, Beth Page. But you know what? All in all, it was U.S. Open. Did I think it, it held up to the typical U.S. Open standards? I did not. Um, but I think finally, before we move into the NHL and, and talk about the Stanley Cup, Ricky Fowler had everyone's hearts uh, wrapped around their fingers this week. And obviously on Sunday, we probably should have expected it. He hasn't been there for a long, long time in that position. And But, I mean, what an amazing week from Ricky Fowler. And, and hopefully that this really jumpstarts him into, uh, into, you know, making some strides and getting a win again. Because, I mean, there was a long... I mean, Ricky... He he hasn't he was the the first alternate last year didn't even get to play in the tournament like he's really struggled he lost a lot of world ranking now he's booming back up he's rebuilding himself yeah. and hopefully that's that's uh, that gets we get a little bit more Ricky Ricky Fowler and you know in the in the you know years to come yeah I don't know if this is way off but what's he got for tour wins I don't want to miss I think five got, five tour yeah. wins yeah I mean if he, he feels like and a the guy players right now, the players the biggest yeah. tournament outside of the majors yep he feels like a guy right now who's I. Like he's gonna, I think he's gonna win uh, a time or two if he could keep yeah. this train rolling for sure. I yeah. mean, majors, it's tough to say. Obviously, still, I again, this was an opportunity that feels like it was definitely squandered. And and just how good the top of the the uh, the majors are right now is unbelievable. But yeah, Ricky's I mean, not a guy like Rory, yeah, where it's, he's gonna be knocking almost every time, you know. Yeah, but a tournament win, like look at Finau, uh, Finau this uh, this year went to a tournament with really not the best field. Won that next weekend, took that confidence into a tournament with a with a much better field, and won it. So I can see Ricky doing something like that. Um, but even then, just nice to see that see him back in the mix and having the fan base going. So that was pretty. Uh, that was a great storyline to follow. Absolutely. Well, this week we've got the Travelers Championship. Uh, we'll give out our best bets on Instagram tomorrow. Uh, so make sure you're tuned into those. Let's move into the NHL. Obviously, uh, we had to get through that golf talk because there was a lot to get into. And the Canadian Open, Nick Taylor, the U.S. Open, Wyndham Clark, probably two names that uh, could have made you a lot of money if you had predicted those, which nobody did. Moving in to quarter two, the NHL. Justin, it only it took the Las Vegas uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights five games to win the Stanley Cup. Just all around the better team, my man, Jonathan Marchessault, um, the guy who's been there since the beginning, a guy who was grabbed from Florida. Um, they gave him uh, to Vegas for, for and Riley Smith for them not to take. I'm not sure which player they were protecting, uh, but all of those deals that Vegas goes through. Um, 
I don't know. Do you feel good for the city of Las Vegas? It's obviously big for the game of hockey. It's big for that city in regard to the sports teams that are funneling in there. But I think all in all, uh, it, it's tough for a lot of fran- fan bases to look at this team and go, you're six years in and you're winning a cup. And, and a team like Toronto, for example, who is the biggest hockey market, can't even can't even come close to sniffing one. 100%. Um, I mean, yeah, you're asking that question to a Buffalo Sabres fan. So, yeah, yeah 1970. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't a fan since 1970, yeah. but I haven't, made, I haven't seen a playoff game for my team in 16 seasons. So <laughs> I will say this. <laughs> I will say this. Um, I wasn't necessarily cheering for Vegas. I mean, yeah, I, I'll be honest. I was cheering for a, a Rangers, a Leafs, an Oilers. I, I like seeing history. Uh, like historic franchises. I like seeing dynasties. I like seeing history being made. This is history in a different sense. So actually, I don't hate it. But I can't say I was rooting for them from day one. Um, but I don't hate Vegas winning. Um, and I think the main reason why I've kind of gotten warmed up to it, how can you hate uh, such a fan base that has come around this team so much? Like, it's just great to see a team with such a great fan base growing the game so well. Yep. They went all in for it. Like, they went after the cup. The city absolutely embraced them for this cup. N- not even for this cup run. Since they've started going for the cup from day one. And they got it done. How about their owner? You see this interview that resurfaced from their owner? from uh, Bill Foley? Yeah, I don't know if he's year one, day one, when it was. He goes, we have a seven-year plan to win the cup. We're going to win it in seven years. He corrects it in year two. He goes, I said seven years previously, but... We're, we're probably going to win the cup in year six. Year six, calls they're it. raising the Stanley calls Cup. Calls it. Un, uh, unbelievable. Like, <clears throat> they had a blueprint, man, and they went all in more than anyone we've seen, uh, maybe ever, especially so early. Obviously, you don't see this very often, but even just the coaches they fired, the trades they've made, they had Mark andre Fleury win the Vesna, scrap him, bring in new goaltending. They go all in with uh, Mark Stones. They have the Marshalls, the Petriangels. They say, not enough. Go get Jack Eichel. Like, they absolutely were committed to one thing and one thing only, and it's win the Stanley Cup. And honestly, I hate that. I, I like when that happens. I like when teams are ready to go all in, go for the Cup. And honestly, I just got to kudos for getting it done because they look so strong throughout this entire playoffs. And I I, I got to I admit, I, I underestimated them. And, and they... uh they showed that they were truly one of the great teams in the NHL. Like, this was not a fluke. Yeah, and I think even it's advantageous. I mean, we, we let's not kid ourselves. It's advantageous for a team to come in the league, and especially with the expansion rules that they went with, and to start scratch. Not to have any dead money, not to have any bad contracts, not to have any preconceived notions, or just to start scratch with the team in the NHL. It seems to be advantageous. I mean, we look at Seattle in their second year, the amount of noise they made this season. I mean, Vegas, like you said, in their sixth season, wins the Stanley Cup. I think it's great for uh, the American, um, you know, I guess fan base or, or just even popularity in the United States. I think it's big. I think this, this definitely made noise. Uh, I think people noticed who won the Stanley Cup or were, took notice of it. I mean, I know that the finals were one of the worst watched nationally uh, on TV, but I think that that's just, you know, those are two smaller markets. Um, but I, I'm not taking the way that, you know, I'm not taking away the fact that it, it is, I think it is a win for hockey. Um, another point I wanted to make too, Justin, obviously we, we, we know Bill fully predicted it. How about Mark Stone in the offseason calling uh, Patrice Bergeron and saying, you know, what would you think of Bruce Cassidy? And he says, well, if uh, if your team hires Bruce Cassidy, you're going to win the Stanley Cup. 
Insane. No shot. Yeah. I did not see this. Yeah. So Mark Stone. Patrice Bergeron said this. So Foley and, and George McPhee went to, to, uh, to their captain, Mark Stone. He said, go do a little hunting on this guy. You know, we want to hear what the players had to say about him. Called up Patrice Bergeron and said, how you feeling about how, uh, what, you know, what you, what was your experience like with Bruce Cassidy? And we know that a lot of the bees didn't like him, but Patrice said, you'll win the cup if you hire him. That is that is shocking to me because yeah, all you heard from the Bruins was that even Bergeron, it seemed like wasn't wasn't warming up to him and and wasn't happy with him staying and all that stuff. So, wow, I mean, and also unbelievable GM work. I don't know, maybe because we're not on the inside, how many teams are sending their players and other management out to kind of do some recon on these coach hires other than the GM. Yeah, but hey. Man, it's worked out for them. Uh, um, wow, kudos to Patrice Bergeron for shooting him straight like that too. Uh, and again, Bruce Cassidy, you got to give him credit, man. Like I mean, we're talking about ownership. He's a we're good coach. Built. He he came into a new team and got them to buy in year one, which is not easy to do all the time, especially to win the cup. Like I, we could be sitting here giving Bruce Cassidy credit for getting his team to buy in if they would have lost in round three or, or or in the cup final. Like they got the job done under that guy. They and. Man, like that's an impressive thing to do, man. Again, I, I we talked about it before. I don't know that it was the wrong move for either team when I'm talking about Bruins and Vegas. Like Bruins had an unbelievable season. They ran into what we obviously now learned was an absolute sleeping juggernaut. And but the team was unbelievable and they performed unreal under Montgomery and Vegas. Nothing needs to be said. You're going to win the cup. Unbelievable hire, no matter what. So it's one of those situations, man, where, uh, yeah, I mean, just two win-wins in a way. I know Bruins fans might think otherwise, but it really was. I mean, you 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 woke up a sleeping giant in Florida. It happens. Like, it's the NHL. It's the hardest cup to win. Kudos to the the Vegas players as well. The culture there has got to be unbelievable. I mean, those those top six, Marsh so. Like, we got to get into him and the, and the six that have been there. Yeah, I mean, they were fantastic. I mean, just even watching their celebration with the strip clubs and the brothels and everything that goes along with the the win in Vegas and, and all of the, the you know the, the, the perks that, that they'll have, all of those players for winning in Vegas. But I'm not even so sold that that I, I'm just I'm so disappointed in Florida's performance during that final. It felt like to me almost like the run in the bubble from the Montreal Canadiens. They ran a hot goaltender, they they played a certain style. And they ended up just going on a huge run. And, and you know, like I wanted, and we know the injuries. And I, and I know the injuries, the injuries, the injuries. Okay, Akblad had a broken foot. And uh, Matthew Kachuk broke his sternum. Well, Matthew Kachuk broke his sternum in, what, game four? So, you know, I, you, that didn't have a huge uh, implication on the things. But um, Vegas was the better team. But, like, do you expect Florida to be the, the top team in the Eastern Conference next year? Like, I'm not even so sure that they make the playoffs next year. No, no, no. They're not the top team by any means next year. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna see if I can pull up the uh, odds I had here for a second. But just talking it out, I mean, the Las Vegas Golden Knights going into this season, um, I believe we're like seventh or eighth in terms of uh, favorites uh, going into la- yeah, going into yeah. La- uh, this season. Coming uh, off of missed playoffs. Coming off of missed playoffs. Yeah, so here, here, I got it right here. The Florida Panthers um, are 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13th. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not shocked by that. I yeah. mean, they got guys who already reported Ekblad's not going to be a training camp. Like, they, they got to turn around here, man. Like, these injuries are significant. Um, and Bobrovsky was brutal in the play, in the finals. I mean, you you just, no one who knows hockey is expecting Bobrovsky to do what he did through the yeah. regular season. And, no. and, and let alone, if you just go back through history, 
just because you made the cup final has in the NHL has no indication of next year, yep. let alone what they were last year, let alone playing in the Eastern Conference. So, yep. like, no, I don't think it's crazy disrespectful or anything like that to say Florida won't be a favorite. They're not a favorite. They won't be a favorite. Playoffs, I may give them the benefit of the doubt at the moment, but yeah. I, I'm, I'm they're gonna still going to get there. I'm going to be quick next year to say, no, they're just not, they're not that team right now. My Buffalo Sabres, I'm not being biased, but no. that's a team that had... One point, one point out of the playoff spot this year. They're uh, they're ascending team. Pittsburgh Penguins just hired Dubis. They still have Crosby and Malkin. They're not, they're not just going to be sitting there okay with being mediocre. They are going to be pushing heavily to get back in the playoffs. So a healthy man, Tom Wilson, Ovi. What's the Capitals going to look like? The the, the we, Senators. Uh, we talked about Columbus Blue Jackets. They, yeah. They're going to add a they're going to add a, a Fantilli or whatever in the draft. They also have uh, trades they just made. Provorov is like they want to be a, a component next year. Uh, Senators, Senators, yep. uh, Stutzel, Kachuk. They got big moves to make. Debrinkat might be on the move. Things like that. They could bring in a great piece from that Debrinkat trade. That's not all a negative thing. Like I can't sit here and say I, they're not a favorite. They're not even my favorite no. in the East. They're not my favorite for their division, but. I'm going to give them the benefit of doubt right now if I had to give playoff predictions for a wild card spot, but that is a very, very, very loose, loose line I've given them that it, it yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if it didn't happen. It's an unbelievable run by the Florida Panthers, no questions asked. Um, do I think that there was a bit of a horseshoe up their ass with the unbelievable play from Sergei Bobrovsky? Um, you know, just... It was just it was one of those years where where we saw a team go on a Cinderella run and the clock struck midnight before they could hoist the cup. So, um, it, you know what? And it, you have to think the whole state of Florida is just devastated because yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll get into the NBA here in a few, but I mean, but I'll I'll, I'll piggyback what you said. This is not the first time, let alone uh, a few time, where a team like this goes to the Cup final and isn't a top like team in the regular season ever. Uh, that year or the year after, like we've seen first on the NHL, we've seen five, eight seeds go to the cup final. We've seen two of them win the cup final. We've seen uh, uh, endless amount of six, seven, eight seeds go to the finals. Like NHL is the hardest cup to win for a reason. Goaltending getting hot isn't every year occurrence in the NHL. This Florida Panthers run is by no means an indication of what they're going to be for the next three, four years. And it's not the first time we've seen it for us to say that. And, and like there's backing to that is what I'm saying. Vegas on the other side, they're, they're loaded, but they have a lot of decision to make. Barbershev's in his last year. Marsha. So they they were talking about even beforehand that they don't know if they can bring him back. Leonard's got to be moved or he just stays on LTIR forever. Um, there's decisions to be made there, man. So, and also this free agency pool, oh, I was looking into it. Terrible. It's Not awful. much room in free agency. We might have the biggest trading offseason we've seen in the NHL in quite some time. So I'm kind of thinking, man, this might be an NHL offseason to, to slash like going into next season where we kind of already see a lot of what we what teams are. Like, I don't know that we're going to see major changes to teams and major swings. Like, again, I I, I don't know, man. I don't Okay, let's do this. I have the odds up too. Who would you say are your three favorites to win the cup next year? Slash be the best regular like who are you thinking are the top dogs next year? Three. Give me three name three teams, you think. I, I I'm gonna have to wait because I listen to a lot of Elliot Freeman and Jeff Merrick. I listen to a lot of the guns. 
and they think that this draft coming up in a week and July 1st could be wild. Yeah. A I team agree. like the Winnipeg Jets, a team like the Toronto Maple Leafs with, uh, uh, you know, with Brad Tree Living coming in. Is he going to make his mark on this team? Yeah. There could be a lot of movement. Um, Jets trading away, guys. Jets moving on from Shifley. Jets moving on from Dubois. Jets moving on from potentially Nikolai Wheelers. I've seen a ton of Halibut to Buffalo Sabres. Halibut. I'm seeing a lot of stuff about uh, um, everyone moving out of there. So, obviously... You know, before the off season, I mean, it's it's very challenging. But I do want to see what teams do to bolster their the lineups. And obviously, we're going to have a ton of overreactions. But let me hold off for a few episodes. And obviously, we get the draft coming up in, in two weeks. But go ahead, Justin. I got three teams. Okay, go ahead. And this is accounting for I think moves get made it, that will help them for where they are. Yep. New Jersey Devils. Okay. Big time. Yep. I, I think I think the only moves they make are going to be draft type things you're talking about, but they're going to be the all in moves. Yep. I think they add big pieces. Uh, I got I got uh, New York Rangers. Okay. People are uh, people are that team was loaded. They and they have a lot of young talent to replace that old talent in Keandre Miller, Lafreniere, uh, guys who can still take big steps. And I think they still Keandre Miller in. UFA. And I think they still go all in when they those guys are still in those uh, young contracts. Last team. Los Angeles Kings. Okay. Super young, had a great regular season, were extremely competitive, now have Corpusella for a full year. So many prospects. Watch out for them to add top-end talent in the draft, which may surprise people, but that's what they're ready to do this offseason. So those are kind of some teams that I'm looking at. Devils, Kings could make splashes in the draft right now. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. I think the Devils right now, obviously, signing Isper Bratt. They're looking to tie up uh, Timo Meyer for long term. He sounds like he's going to stay there. So now they've got a lot of good pieces, obviously, moving on uh, from Severson heading to Columbus. But they all, we all remember that they've got Luke Hughes coming up, and they also have Martin Natchez, a uh, young stud defensor from Slovakia, taking second overall. So their, their decor is going to, you know, they'll probably lose Ryan Graves as well, but they've got two studs coming up who are going to be on rookie deals for the next three years. I haven't seen this and I haven't heard from it, but Hellbuck to Devils might actually just seem like it fits more. So, I mean, yeah. I don't know. We can see that too because goaltending was something they need with uh, maybe Schmid or whoever they go with. But definitely, yeah, it's going to be an amazing, amazing draft, which I'm excited for. What What is that? That's uh, the 28th of June. So, we're eight days away, man. I'm Eight excited. days away, so we'll do a big preview on that uh, next week. But uh, we all know Bedard's going one to Chicago. But where does everyone else fall? What are some other prospects we should be looking at? What are some deals we may think get done on the trade floor? We remember last year Ottawa and Pierre Dorian being very active, but we'll see what happens. Also, we'll talk about it when we get closer to. But Andrew Cristal, watch out for that name. Looking for him to be in the first round. We're, we're hoping that guy uh, makes a splash here. Andrew Cristal, remember the name. All right, folks. Let's move into quarter three. My microphone is staticking. This is the first time I haven't had the stand in the studio. Anyway, it's just a gong show. It's going to be a gong show here for a few weeks to get back on our feet. But let's move into quarter three NBA. And we all saw the Denver Nuggets. Similar to the Las Vegas Golden Knights, they get it done in five games. Nikola Jokic wins the MVP. They jump in the pool with Jamal Murray. This team was the biggest wagon in the NBA all year long. Justin was bullish on them all year long, and they end up winning the NBA championship, which, if I'm not mistaken, you did call before your blip in the radar with flipping to, to the Lakers, which that was pure narrative-based. We all know he wanted to see the Celtics and Lakers, but, I mean, you got to feel good for the Nuggets, man. Um, you got to feel good for, for Nikola Jokic, the Serbian, the guy who has been the best player in the NBA for three years in a row now, and he finally gets a ring, and, and this team... 
they haven't done it the the way that teams think they need to do. They haven't brought in the the megastars. These are internal growth guys with Jokic and Jamal Murray. And think about the depth. I mean, they brought in Aaron Gordon. They drafted Michael Porter Jr., but the Bruce Browns of the world, the guys coming off the bench, were phenomenal for the, the Denver Nuggets. And, and you got to feel good. And, and you think about the state of Florida. I mean, these two eight seeds in, in the Heat and Panthers just flamed out, could not handled the competition of the number one seeds in the, out of the Western Conference. And I'm feeling, you know, I'm happy for the Nuggets. And, I mean, there's been ricochet shots going left, right, and center during these celebrations. Yeah, I, I'm just going to touch on the gameplay for now. I mean, yeah, I, I was on the Nuggets big time. I think the big thing with the Nuggets that I was looking at early was they had such an amazing balance of unbelievable defensive efficiency, defensive efficiency and offensive efficiency. And, like, People kind of just slept on them. I mean, they're the Denver Nuggets. I don't blame them, but I was telling you uh, on my first episode, um, I said Nuggets 76ers. 76ers didn't come through, but it was it was all Nuggets. And, like, that's been the story of the, of the offseason. Mike Malone was uh, on a lot of social medias, and he was, he was preaching it. We get disrespected. We don't get talked about. All this stuff. And he's right. I mean, they were unbelievable. Jokic not winning MVP obviously helped incre- uh, help decrease, I guess, the lack of conversation about the Nuggets. 2023 playoff leaders, points, Jokic, assists, Jokic, rebounds, Jokic, win share, Jokic. Like, this was a dominating performance. To have the best player in the world on what I said was the deepest team in terms of every time they have a player step on the floor, it's the same game play and same game strategy. Is unbelievable because we've seen teams with like LeBron and Durant and stuff like that where, yeah, it was like, can they stay afloat without him on the floor? But then he's going to go dominant on them. Jokic got off the floor, man. And sometimes they took bigger leads. Like it was truly impressive. Jimmy Butler, that's who I feel for, feel for the most out of both the Florida teams. It would have been a historic, historic, historic all time uh, playoff run if that guy got it done. So that would have been absolutely incredible. But yeah, what a time for Florida, dude. I mean, I just I uh, and thing, I'm just I'm gonna I might I don't know if I'm calling this or whatever, but watch out for the Tampa Bay Rays to maybe make a little run and not get it done. If Tampa Bay Rays get to the World Series, <laughs> do we automatically go the other way? Oh, we write them like, off. We write them off in a heartbeat. <laughs> we throw the house on whoever they're playing. It could be the Cincinnati Reds, for God's sake. We're throwing it down. On and the Reds. Sneaky connection here. Nuggets win the NBA title. Wyndham Clark, Colorado guy. Hey, there yeah, you go. Very good, true. Good, good time right now for uh, the state of Colorado. You know who one of Wyndham Clark's best friends is? No. Christian McCaffrey. No shot. San yeah. Francisco. Good team this year. I don't yeah. know. We'll see that. Yeah, there you go. Sneaky thing to keep an eye on. But, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, the the Let's get to the parade. Jokic. What about Jokic? Yeah, okay. After the game. What's your take on that? Well, you got to feel for him. And, I, you know, I guess he owns some horses or he races horses (laughs) in Serbia. But, you know, obviously they notify him that they're going to be doing the parade on a Thursday. And he goes, no, 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 no. Can't be here Thursday. I got to go home. And, (laughs) And obviously during the parade, full on buckled. And we forgot to mention, too, William Carlson. Full on yeah. buckled. The guy, I mean, just completely shit-canned. And, and obviously, that's the way it goes. If you're winning a championship in one of the, the NBA, it seems like the NBA and NHL are the two. You just, it's like a yeah. week, ten days, and it's a full on bender, and you full send it. And Mike Malone, I don't have to yeah. see the coaches getting in the mix. 
in the mix. He was absolutely buckled. No, I, I enjoyed it, man. But obviously, you know, he kind of retracted on those statements. And uh, and no, it was a it was a fantastic watch. I mean, you got to feel happy for those guys. I mean, you never know when it's going to happen again. But I think Denver could sneakily be another. They could be right back where they were. Yeah, yeah. Um, unbelievable. So yeah, this is this has no reasons why Dynasty is not looking like it's possible. I mean, yeah. um, we've had dynasties in the NBA where it's not necessarily like three or four in a row. It's like three and six years. Like exactly that means a dynasty. Like yeah, I don't know next year that, that they win it, but like. First of all, unlike Vegas and unlike Florida Panthers and NHL, I don't see why there's no reason why this this team like you can't exactly. make many cases to me why this team can't be uh, the favorite, which they are already by the way, and and two why they like can't maintain that and win it. Um, Jokic, keep in mind, outside voter fatigue has now been MVP three straight years. I mean, the award's one thing, but if, you're, exactly. if you want to just go analytical, yeah. three straight times MVPs, and yeah. now he's got them over the hump. If they could stay hungry and focused like they were so well this year, I, there's literally no changes to the NBA that I can understand. Well, I take that back. LeBron James and Draymond Green were in France, so who knows where they're going, but something's going on. But, again, other than... Who knows if that's basketball-related, though. It is... Anyway, yeah, I'm not gonna get it. <laughs> Pride but month. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Knowing the NBA, we could see LeBron and Draymond on the Phoenix Suns somehow, some way, with some luxury tax. I don't know because that happens. But bottom line is, they have the best player in the world. They show up in the playoffs. They're extremely well coached. I don't see why Denver Nuggets can't go back to back, or at least go three and six years. I, I, I again, I'll have to see something Celtics, something like that. Um, which they're extremely young still, man. Like I actually do have a lot of, I've, I think I have more faith in Celtics going into next year than I ever have. And I'm not even a Celtics fan Yeah, and I'm not big on the Celtics. So me saying that I think it's actually kind of pretty valid for me, but yeah, Denver Nuggets run the West right now. There's no reason to think otherwise. No, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be fantastic. And, um, I guess, you know, finally we, we, obviously LeBron did take a few ricochet shots, but Draymond Green did reject his uh, his opt in uh, for the Golden State Warriors, so he will be a free agent, and, and we all know that he does love his LeBron James. So I wouldn't be surprised if he finds himself on the Lakers next year. I mean, that would make a lot of sense. Um, you know that they you know they feel as it feels as if that that might you know change the dynamic and might make them a contender. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know that I'm 51 percent on LeBron being with the Lakers. Next okay, year. I'm almost thinking they that he he takes off somewhere, he makes a move, or really, or something's going to also spin zone to a bigger degree. Draymond gets out of the Draymond leaves. Warriors get out of that 27 million dollar cap hit. LeBron said the two teams that he thinks oh, that he'd ever can you? To, <laughs> LeBron James said, "End quote." The only two teams I could ever see myself moving to at this point in the, my career, he said. Golden State Warriors or back to Miami Heat? He said that recently. Yeah, yeah. He said those are the only two spots he could see. That would be going. wild. And because I, I think he's going to stay in California because Bronny's playing yeah. uh, at the University of South California. and um, So we'll see. It's, yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting. Uh, just finally, Bradley Beal heading to the Phoenix Suns. He'll be joining Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. Chris Paul heads to the uh, to the Washington Wizards as, as well as... Uh, uh, I want to say it's Shamat. I think Landry Shamat, uh, second yeah. round pick. I think another second round pick, and 
Another guy who will play. I was going to say Amon Shumpert. Yeah. I don't know why that name came to my head. Remember <laughs> yeah, Shumpert? That guy was a stud back <laughs> yeah, in the day. He was. Um, hey, um, yeah, well, I don't ahead. know what. I'll give my quick take. It's pretty simple. I'm not worried about the Suns. I don't. That's very. I, <laughs> I don't think this Bradley Beal trade. Don't have faith in Booker. Don't have faith in Beal. Don't have faith in DeAndre Ayton. And now they got rid of Chris Paul. But don't Booker and Beal feel like know. these guys who need a lot of volume, need a lot of scoring opportunity? Like they, they kind of they put up big point numbers, but do they have the full package up and down both sides of the ball? Like, I, I mean, I, I don't well, know. Is it, it, I, it isn't just, that same thing you just said? Go for Durant as well. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I mean, exactly. All three of them. They need. They need volume. They need. They need their big games when they when they have huge games. They're forty six points, and I'm sorry, but they're all not going to have that much usage. So, is like this I a great move? I mean, it actually. This was the first time that a big three move has been made where I actually saw it got roasted online. So maybe yeah. it works out because people were like, "What's going on here?" I mean, I think I think you're dead. I mean, this is what I think they viewed it as. I think they said, "Okay." We have all this cap space in these two guys. Um, Booker and Durant combined for 95 points in, in the two games they won in Phoenix. They both got 50. Let's just go get another guy who can get 50, and that there's 140, and we win the game. Like <laughs> That's honestly what it seems like they did. I don't know. I mean, Bradley Beal has been on a team where he's carried them. Carried them to nowhere, first of all. Yep. The Wizards, they've been garbage. We haven't seen him in the playoffs. Uh, uh, go on a run. But don't you find, Justin, uh, just to pause you, isn't it a little easier to go off when you're in the shadows? I mean, is it harder yeah, to I do mean, in the spotlight? I, I don't know. Like, I agree, but then is it also easier now? He's still in the shadows. He's he's the third guy on that on that defensive focus. He's yeah, the yeah. Third guy no, in but terms I'm, of who exactly. gets like, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, but I mean, in, in regard to that Washington re- Wizards team who are terrible, yeah, no, nobody's following yeah. them. They're going to win 30 games a year pretty easy to kind of go off every once in a while over there make a little I mean, noise I, don't know. I wonder i wonder if maybe we're looking at a guy who isn't as alpha male as we think maybe he's gonna be a phenomenal spot up guy and yep. when booker when maybe it's a situation dude when when all three are on he's a phenomenal spot up guy and when one of them's off he's now able he's to the be guy an alpha number two and yeah. maybe it works out better than we think i'm just not i, I don't see that trade go through and i'm threat i feel like i'm threatened to the Celtics or the or the Nuggets. That's just my initial reaction, man. I'm know. I'm almost okay. Uh, I think if I'm the Suns with going all in on Booker and Durant, and really dialing in on the depth, on a, a nice contributor at at the point position, yeah. and depth because we saw that how important that is for what Denver did. You got your two stars. They're running the pick and roll. They're phenomenal together. And then just throw in a lot of quality around them. Quality guys who can come off the bench that, you know, if you got to rest Jokic, if he's got five fouls, if if Murray's having a slow game, you got guys who can contribute. And that's funny because the 76ers were built like that. It, it's, it feels like they had a nice, uh, you know, combination of the guys that obviously just couldn't get it done and, and lost in game seven to the Celtics. But... Um, I don't know if that's the methodology is, is just going all in on three players because we all know it, t- it takes more than three guys to win. I, I think the big three is one of the biggest misconceptions in the NBA. Yeah. Okay, Miami Heat, people say that's where the big three originated or that's who they blame for the big three. Okay, well, how many championships with the best player of all, of the yeah. era we've ever seen? Yeah. Is, it, is it three? They won three in like seven or eight years, I think. So like... Three and eight years to me isn't automatic when you win with the big three. No. Look at the NBA standings right now. Milwaukee Bucks, not no. at all a big three. Celtics, Tatum Brown, 
unbelievable depth. Yep. 76ers, big two with a, with a good depth. Yep. Cavaliers, like, again. All around good Heat? depth. Mi- yep. Miami Heat. Miami Heat. Butler out of bio, unbelievable depth. Yep. You go to the West. Jokic, I think I, I don't, is Jamal. I mean, in the playoffs, he is, but in the regular season, he's not. He's even been like injured, but I, I know exactly. It's it's Jokic and, and depth. Yeah, but again, uh, okay, Clipper, Clippers, Kawhi, Paul George, depth. Golden State Warriors, Steph, Clay, maybe Pool, depth. Lakers, try the big three and just try to stack the top. Doesn't work right now. Like again, I'm just saying, I'm going through the standings. Uh, Mavericks, when they were good, it was Jokic and depth. It was sorry, Doncic and depth. It wasn't even uh, a big two. Like. What I'm saying is Golden State Warriors had a big three. I don't even know if it was. I saw Steph Curry, Clay. Draymond was like just the best depth piece you could have. He wasn't a big three. No. They won. Yes, they had Durant to that. So, yeah, that was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. What I'm saying is the NBA hasn't shown histories and histories and histories of success as soon as you get three all-NBA players. Yeah. I have, it, we haven't seen it all that much. For sure. No, exactly. It, uh, it It's going to be interesting to see. Um, exciting off-seasons ahead in the NHL and NBA. But let's close this thing off, Justin, in quarter four here with some MLB talk. Obviously, it's been a while since we checked in. Uh, but I did want to mention, obviously, it is Pride Month. Uh, and Anthony Bass, uh, against, uh, I'm not sure the specifics on this situation, uh, relief pitcher for the Toronto Blue Jays, Anthony Bass. He posted something, obviously, that was very offensive on social media. He ended up taking it down. And then he ended up reposting it. So clearly he's an idiot. Um, and I, I guess I'll say something here, Justin. And, you know, I, I think as an athlete, you know, you, obviously you have a platform, a massive platform, and you can use that platform for whatever you would like. But if you choose to take on a divisive, a, you know, a, a very touchy subject or a subject that you know is going to be confrontational, well, you better be prepared to lose your job because Anthony Bass has been released by the Toronto Blue Jays, and I'm not sure that any teams are going to be interested. He wasn't pitching very well, obviously a relief guy. Um, so we'll, we'll see, but uh, but relief pitcher Anthony Bass uh, released by the Blue Jays, and it's just kind of, if you're going to bite off a little bit more than you can chew with the platform that you have as an athlete and say something very divisive, very hurtful, very controversial, be prepared to lose your job. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, it's a situation where I bet he uh, regrets it now. So definitely, I mean, that'd be interesting to, to see his take on it. But yeah, you'll never know, I guess, the, the true answer. So um, yeah, I mean, especially in, in, in Toronto and the media platform they have as a team, you're going to, what you say is going to be seen. So um, yeah, regardless, it's obviously something he stood by because he reposted it. So I don't know what he's thinking, Yeah, where his head's at, but he's done. So there you go. <laughs> so the Jays have been on a roller coaster. It seems like they go few games, series win, series sweep, drop a series. They've lost three in a row, and Schneider's in. He's in the spotlight right now. He he's on the hot seat. We'll say. Uh, obviously, the the Blue Jays brought in Yankees legend Donnie Baseball, Don Mattingly. Uh, this off season, he is kind of an assistant to to Schneider. It sounds like that the boys like him and he might be getting a promotion and Schneider might be on his way out. I know Schneider's got some years left on his contract, but it's just been a huge roller coaster. I mean, we saw Matt Chapman off to a huge start. He's slowed down a lot. Vladdy has just not had the season that we expected Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to have. Bichette's been awesome. Trevor Gosman's been awesome, but it's just a lot of inconsistently, a lot of inconsistency around that lineup right now. Um, they find themselves in second last in the AL East, just one game of 
above the Red Sox for last place in that division. Obviously, the wild card is what we're going to be dialed into, but you know, you got to win your division games. You got to be competitive in your division. We all know in baseball, but you know, how are you feeling about the Jays right now? Yeah, um, there's a guy, many people don't know this, as if they're not Jays fans, they're not uh, diehard M- M- MLB fans. Whit Merrifield, second baseman, age 34, is now second in the AL in batting average. Or third, sorry, he's hitting over 300. What a story. What a guy. Merrifield needs more light. Merrifield hitting over 300. A veteran pickup from Kansas City last year at the deadline. Versatile guy could play in the outfield, play second base. Whit Merrifield. Boom. Boom. Great addition to an absolute World Series contending team. Yes, Sonk. We are sitting here still after asking so many times for them to just, they're right there. We say a million times, they're one game out of a wild card. All they got to do is get hot at the right time. It's a marathon. Pitching just has to wake up. Depth hitting just has to come along with Bichette and Chapman. And we sit here now, June 20th, Greg. Yep. And this team through now 70, almost 80 games now, only four games above 500. I don't know if I'm more upset about this. 11 and a half games out of first place in the division when they were considered a, definitely a team that could win the division or six and a half games behind the Orioles. That's just, Oh, that's sick. Sickening to see that the team that it was supposed to be the year. It was supposed to be the year they could push through their, their young pieces like body and stuff are no longer young pieces. They're uh, MLB experienced players. And now we're sitting here, man. We're 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 happy that Manoa is doing well in the simulator in Florida. And that's all <laughs> we can really look at. I mean, it's it's and we're one game out of the wild card. Yeah, like, is that not mind blowing? No, how exactly. Bad the season's been in terms yep. of our expectations, and we're one game out of the wild card. It seems like every team has to play the wild card, anyways. I, I mean, whether you're in the wild card spot or you're second in division, whatever. Uh, I, I can't remember right now. Top, maybe like, I don't know. I get. I, I, I'm just going to keep it. I didn't know how I was going to go with this. I'm just going to keep going. They can just get hot at the right time and they're still contended. I'm yes. just going to keep It's it still off. so early. And you're right. They're a game out of the wild card. And it, it feels like we've seen it in the other sports. You got to just got to get in the dance. You just got to get in the dance. But they've just gotten in the dance in the last two years. And they've been horrendous. So... Hopefully we see some signs. Hopefully we can turn it around. We're almost at the halfway mark. We're almost at the all-star game where that's just probably what, 10 days. Uh, is it the beginning of July? Uh, it feels like it's the, uh, the all-star yeah, game. They, so they, they just finished phase one of the all-star voting. Okay. I got a, a, a Acuna and Otani into it. So I believe <laughs> the all-star game was July 11th. July okay. 11. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, we got a couple weeks away from the All Star game, and then we'll, things will start to ramp up. But we know teams can get hot, and they're they're always referenced their record since the All Star the All Star game. Teams how are are X and O since the All Star break. So we are still early in the MLB season. Uh, I, I don't think there's any panic on the Blue Jays. The Red Sox are starting to heat up a little bit, but we'll see what happens. Justin, listen, I gotta I gotta talk about this story. So I'm doing up the, you know, just just the, the brief outline. Not many. You know, we knew what we were getting into. We had a plethora to talk about today. But the Pirates, the Pittsburgh Pirates, played the Cubs. They were driving to Milwaukee. And their bus driver gets pulled over and arrested for a DUI. Their bus driver was buckled. Like, I, I don't think I've ever heard of anything like this. A perf- How much money... <laughs> Are you? It's like driving drunk in a Brinks truck. Oh it's like, God. what are you doing right now? Can you imagine 
if tragedy would have struck with the, yeah. I guess the Pittsburgh Pirates, it's not quite a Brinks truck. I mean, I'm sure that their salaries aren't as, no, regardless. The bus driver for the Pittsburgh Pirates got pulled over with the team on the bus. He Greg, was buckled. Greg, Greg, tragedy has struck. They're two and eight in the last ten, and they lost seven straight. <laughs> this is a team that was first place. Their bus driver gets were they the getting DUI. buckled and sent some up to him? Do we have to read more that into this? Yeah, that might be what it was. They might be sent sent uh, sent them up to him. Um, well, I've never heard of this. I've never with the team on the bus is just an insane story. And again, I everything was okay in terms of yes. injuries, all that. So I mean. I just is this not I mean, getting enough? Is this not getting enough play, Greg? Maybe this the bus driver's been he's he's been losing it with the Pirates run here. He's a Pirates maybe guy. He, he's a Pirates maybe, guy. Maybe he's been feeling the effects of it, and he's this is his only way to cope with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He took one too many. I don't know. Like I, I think that that's <laughs> such a wild story. Obviously, he'll lose his job. Um, unbelievable that this is a storyline. Um, but hopefully, we're happy that the Pittsburgh Pirates are safe, and we're hoping that uh, we get a little bit more information on how this went down. And uh, obviously, uh, we don't care about it. I, I will mention this too. For anybody who ever debates on getting behind a wheel after having yeah. alcohol or any other substance, you're a complete yeah. idiot. Never, with all of the options that you have with Taxis, Ubers, lifts, walking, thumbing, hitchhike, for God's sakes. Never get behind the wheel and drink and drive. I just wanted to get that out there, Justin, because I always think it's the most stupid decision a human being can make. Yeah, and, oh. and somehow somehow this human being decided that with uh, with uh, $200 million of human cargo on board, he's going to do it. So unbelievable. But yes, Greg's 100% right. Uh, make the right decisions and think through it, but crazy. Uh, and that was brought to you by Mothers Against Drunk Driving. We'd like that. But David Freeze, uh, obviously we remember David Freeze from from his time uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals, a few clutch hits uh, in the yeah. World Series for David Freeze. He, uh, so the fans voted him into the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame. He rejected it. He said, I was not good enough to be in the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame. So um, I think Cardinals fans are a little upset, and uh, I, I don't know how do you, how you feel about that. I mean, like, I, I, if I'm David Freeze, I'm saying thank you very much. I'll take the alumni jacket. I'll take the etched-in-stone David Freeze. But he said, flat out, I just wasn't good enough. Obviously, it will remember me for a few clutch moments in the playoffs. But overall, my career doesn't belong in the Hall of Fame, and I will be declining my inductee. So I, I don't know. I, I can't remember the last time somebody's yeah. rejected that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm looking at him here. He only played for the Cardinals for five seasons. Yeah. Um, interesting. Yeah, this is a tough one. I mean, I, I respect it. I'm a person who thinks some people get in the Hall of Fame too easily. I know this isn't baseball Hall of Fame, but Hall of Fames in general. I'm a person that doesn't like the Hall of Fame to be an easy thing. I'm a big person yes. on, I think the Hall of Fame should be super exclusive. Yep. I'm a big person on the take that, I don't think uh, uh, people should go in the Hall of Fame every year. If there's a, if there's just not a year where people are worthy of it, I don't mind that. I think it sh I think the Hall of Fame in all sports and all things should be almost as big as winning the championship. And you don't win a championship every year, yet we have people going in every year. Like that's yeah. my take. I know it's definitely an outlier, but I know this is just a team one. But like, if the guy himself doesn't think he should go in and says no, yeah. 
How did how did he get voted in? Because it's a sentimental Hall of Fame. That's what that is. So yeah. we're talking Hall of Fame. No, we're talking Hall of big moments. Like the, yes, he said exactly. It like he exactly. Said, but, so again, and I have no issue with something honoring him. Maybe they have some sort of big uh, um, banner thing of his home run that he hit, and that's on a big banner. It's a big photo of it or something like that. There's ways to honor people in the world without going into the Hall of Fame. And what they classify Hall of Fame has gone out the window. And I could talk about this for so much longer by going no, into No, I totally sports. agree with you, man. And, and think yeah, about the NHL last year. The Sedin brothers, Luongo, Daniel Alfredson. How many championships combined? That's what I'm saying. Crazy. That's what I'm saying. Crazy. You just got like there's there's definitely scenarios where it's like you just got to play. I'm a, a point per time. game and guy on a mediocre team my whole career, and I get my I get my face etched in the Hall of Fame. Like that's gr- insane. Likes of who like with the likes of who's around it. So David Freese is sitting here saying, "Okay, yeah. you want me in the Hall of Fame? I know who's in the Hall of Fame for the Cardinals: the pool hoses, the guys who want like yeah. I've played five seasons for you guys. Like yeah, I I can't sit here and tell my grandkids." Hey, I'm in the Hall of Fame, and my head is beside figures of Cardinals history that have played 15 seasons, won championships, set records, and all this. And I was just a blip on a great playoff run. Yeah, before you, like I'm assuming Yadier Molina will get in there. Um, yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Gold, Goldschmidt and Arenado on, yes. on runs. Right, Goldschmidt yeah. and Arenado have double the career freezes had. Like they themselves have already had double the career outside of a World Series yeah. that he has had. Like, yeah. they could make the Hall of Fame right now with a way better case, even if they never win a championship. Adam Wainwright? So, so, so I think Freeze yeah. is in the right. I mean, I think... Did you I say like Adam Wainwright? I did not say Adam okay. Wainwright. You pulled that one. That's great, Rick Paul. He's okay. an all-timer. He's yes. been there for, for how long? Like 16 years, I think, so I, with the... Yeah. yeah. No, I totally agree. I respect agree. this by him. I do respect this by I him. I do, I do. I, I, I like it. Uh, just finally here in the MLB, the Cincinnati Reds, nine straight games... They're way, they're now leading the NL Central. Joey Votto, Canadian guy. You want to talk about Hall of Fames? Canadian Sports Hall of Fame Joey Votto, probably the best Canadian to ever play in the MLB. Uh, not enough love. I think he was the MVP in the NL one year, if I'm not mistaken. That sounds right to me. If not, he was a runner-up. I'll uh, pull it up, A bunch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but listen, folks, the MLB is still at it. We're, we're two weeks away from the All-Star game. We are back. What are we going, Jess? We're going once a week through the summer. Are we gonna do? Yeah. Are we gonna do Tuesday nights? Yeah, first twenty ten M- and NL MVP. But yeah, I think I think let's get the people their podcast out so when they wake up Wednesday morning, yep, they got it for got it for that week. Happy right, Hump right Day! Week. Happy Hump 100%. Day! Happy Hump 100%. Day, folks! Well, listen, we're back. Uh, we've got some good content coming around the corner. Obviously, I've just settled in Ottawa. I will be back on the move here in a few weeks. But Tuesday nights or Wednesday mornings, you will have your podcast. Justin, it's been a pleasure, my man, and uh, we'll get things back on track. We've got a lot of it. We'll have the NFL as a quarter here soon. Absolutely, and I was going to touch on it. Stay on the socials. Follow the socials. Get on the chalkboard. We're going to get the chalkboard humming again. Yeah, we got football news coming, though. Yes, we do. Get get, get following the pod, and uh, yeah, awesome, man. Let's go. Season four.